You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. You guys are awesome. Welcome to church, everybody. Welcome to church. Good morning. Welcome. I'm glad that you made it. Grab your Bibles, if you would. John chapter 11 is where we're going to spend the majority of our time. I think God has something powerful in store for you as we turn our attention to his amazing word. I want to remind you of a couple of things as we're turning over to John 11. Uh, and number one is that Easter is coming. Come on, somebody. This is the, the Super Bowl of Sundays for us. Let me remind you a couple of things about that. Uh, number one, if you invite your friends... Statistics tell us they will come. 70% will come. 70% will say yes, they will actually come. Now, uh, last year we broke all attendance records by far. We, we hit a, over 1,000 people last year, uh, which is crazy in Longview and in the midst of a pandemic. So we can only imagine what might be happening this year. So I will just tell you a couple of things. Uh, we are out of parking space. We've outgrown our building. We've only been here a little over a year, uh, but that's a good thing. We will have five services on Easter starting at eight in the morning all the way till noon. And uh, those are gonna be uh, pretty, they're gonna be abbreviated services, but we do need you to, to pay special attention. Um, first of all, would you pray for us? That's a big deal. Uh, second of all, would you keep in mind the simple fact that we don't have a lot of parking, we don't have a lot of places to come. So the eight o'clock, the nine o'clock services are the best for you, especially if you don't have friends that you've invited. Um, now, if you have friends that you've invited, you can come to these services that you want to. That's, that's, that's all you, we love you, we appreciate you, thank you for trusting us with your friends. But the eight o'clock, the nine o'clock will be our, our lesser attended services. So if you guys wanna fill in those, if you're an early riser, or maybe just Easter is your thing, you can grab a cup of coffee, get here a little earlier, that'd be great. We figure that the rest of those services will be pretty full, seats will be hard to come by. And let me just say, if you're, if you're a member here, if you love it here, if you've been here for a long time, on Easter Sunday, if you see that the place gets full, could you step up? and maybe move out of your seat and offer your seat to somebody that needs it that you haven't seen before, that would mean a lot to us. We don't have a whole lot of chairs left. Um, we don't have a lot more space to put into this building. We're gonna maximize it as best as we can, uh, but God's blessing us and that's a good thing. So we're gonna have about a 48 to 49 minute to 50 minute service somewhere in there. It will be short, it will be brief, but we're gonna do as many of them as possible and we're gonna watch God move in a powerful way. We're gonna see dead things come back to life this Easter. We're gonna see people come back to Jesus that have been away from Jesus for far too long. Come on, somebody. So John chapter 11 is where we're gonna spend our time today. Let's get back into our series called If We're Being Honest. Now, normally when somebody says, if we're being honest, they're about to tell you something that you might not wanna hear, but they really need to say, right? So if we're being honest, let me just tell you this. Like I, you probably don't wanna hear this, but I need to say this. And we're, we're just encountering Jesus in a fresh way where people were, people were really honest with God in spite of the hurt that they're walking through. And that honesty mixed with faith and desperation opens the door for the miraculous. Now, today I wanna specifically talk about what to do with disappointment. What do you do when God doesn't do what you think he should do? What do you do when God doesn't move in your timing? What do you do when the miracle doesn't come? What do you do when God doesn't answer the way that you thought he should answer? Because if you've been a Christian for longer than five minutes, that's gonna happen. God will not ask you for permission to do a lot of things that he does. He won't clear it with you before he brings things to pass. He's gonna do what he wants to do. And he's God, he knows what he's doing. But what happens when God doesn't do what you think he should do? what you think is the right thing, because how you handle that disappointment is gonna be critical to the rest of your faith walk. That's 
You've had disappointments. I've had disappointments. God doesn't check with me on a lot of things. But I've experienced disappointments in my life that, uh, that maybe might be a little bit different from yours. But I think we can all agree that one of the biggest disappointments for anyone over the age of 25 was Star Wars Episode One. Uh, that pile of garbage should never have been made. And you completely screwed up an amazing franchise. It was perfect. Don't screw it up. And you screwed it up. Star Wars Episode One. For those of you that don't understand, don't watch that. Don't watch, that, that makes no sense. Now, uh, for the us that grew up watching Michael Jordan play for the Chicago Bulls, that was epic because that was the goat. He did things that were magical, supernatural. Like that is an angel come down from heaven grabbing a basketball, doing things that are not humanly possible. Superheroes exist. He was the one. Now, when Michael Jordan decided to leave basketball and play baseball, let me just say there was some disappointment. There was some discouragement that happened because you realize he's a great basketball player and he is not good at baseball. He's not good. And then he finally comes back. And when he says, I'm going to come back and play a little bit more basketball, the hopes of the entire world had switched to the Washington Wizards, which, Wizards. And Michael Jordan comes back onto the court. And let me just say, he had gotten old. There's a little rust. Uh, the goats lost a leg. And I was disappointed because I remembered all these things of watching him do amazing things on the court. Then you watch him in a Wizards uniform, you're like, that, that's not the same. That's not the same guy. All of us have been disappointed at one time or another. If you've lived through Y2K 22 years ago, uh, like what am I supposed to do with 412 cans of green beans? I don't know. But <laughs> I stirred up a lot of water and green beans for, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, that was a big deal. What, what do you do when God disappoints you though? What do you do when God doesn't move on your timing? What do you do when he says no and you, you thought for sure he'd say yes? What happens when God doesn't come through on your timetable? Let me just tell you, he does it. He does it a lot. He does not do what we think he should do, but he always does the right thing. And a lot of times what God has in mind for us is much bigger than what you think he should do. You may not see it in the temporary confines of the moment, but what God does is always bigger and better than what you have in mind. And so we find this in John chapter 11. Jesus is approaching the home of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. These were friends of Jesus. And the chapter tells us before that, that they had sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick. They said, like, Jesus, the one that you love is sick. Now, understand that at the time of Jesus' ministry, things are starting to get nuts. The momentum is starting to pick up. People are starting to figure out that he might be the Messiah. And there's large crowds that are gathering around him. But surely in those moments, his friends ought to be able to bypass the prayer line and say, wait a minute, let's get a message to Jesus because he'll want to know that Lazarus is sick. And if he can heal all these other people and do these crazy miracles, surely he can do this for a friend. And Jesus intentionally does not go. What happens when you know that he cares? What happens when you know that he sympathizes? What happens when you know that he wants to heal and he doesn't do it? Jesus intentionally stayed away knowing that if he, if he, he says that if I was there, I, I couldn't watch him die. Lazarus passes away. And so Jesus finally, after four days, this is four days after the funeral of Lazarus, Jesus shows up. And in that moment, you can imagine there are two sisters that are really angry with Jesus, really disappointed and discouraged for what he did not do. 
I love that the Bible doesn't hide those moments from us. I love that it doesn't just say, oh, Jesus did great things and he was peace and love and nothing bad ever happened while he was on the earth. That's not true. People were very disappointed and very discouraged when he didn't do what they thought was right. So Jesus approaches this home and I want you to see the response. I want you to see the hurt. I want you to see the disappointment because it's easy for us to look at the end of the story and know that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and to forget all the things that are coming up to it. Forget that we, we enter it in the middle of the story when there's tension, but we only see the end. Sometimes I think it's easy for us to dismiss all the things that happened because we know it, it, ended up, it worked out okay, right? But yet we can't apply that same logic to our life. Like, hey, at the end of all these things, it's gonna be all right. You're just in the middle. Jesus shows up in John chapter 11, look in, in verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. She said, no, that little piggy went to the market. This little piggy stays home. Like, no, no thanks. Why? Because I'm not ready to see him. I'm not ready to talk to him right now. He let me down. He disappointed me. Some of us are Martha's, some are Mary's. She goes immediately to Jesus. Mary says, I can't. Notice this, when she gets to him, Martha says this, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Where were you? If you'd have been here, I don't get it. I'm disappointed in you. Then she says, but I know that even now, God will give you again whatever you ask. In other words, I still have faith, but I'm angry. I still believe that you're, that you're the Messiah, but I don't like what you did. I still believe that you're the son of God, but you let me down. Jesus said to her, your brother's gonna rise again. Now, of course, in her own mind, she doesn't know what Jesus is about to do, but she says this, you know, I, I get that. I understand that at the, at the resurrection, he's gonna come again. And so she has this conversation with Jesus where he begins to tell her, wait a minute, I need you to believe a little bit. I sense your hurt. I sense your disappointment. I get it. I understand. You're right. If I'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. But I got something better in mind. Notice this. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here. He's asking for you. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly. She went to him. She falls at his feet. Or in other words, like I, I wanted to come. I wanted, I wanted to come earlier. I, I, I wasn't ready. But I'm just gonna throw myself at your feet and tell you, hey, I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. I'm here, but I'm disappointed. I think some of us come to church today with that in mind. Hey, I'm here, but I'm hurt. Hey, I'm here, but I've been discouraged. Hey, I'm here, but I've, I've walked through a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of stuff. I'm still here, but I'm gonna be honest today. I'm still here. I'm gonna have to be transparent. I don't really wanna be because of my hurt my disappointment, my discouragement. And let's be honest, sometimes that's at God. He didn't do it. He allowed this to happen. He could have stepped in at any moment and stopped this, and he didn't. Now, I'm still here, but I've got some issues. I think all of us would agree with that. I'm still here, but I got issues. Look at this. When Jesus saw her weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and he was troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. 
Come and see, Lord, they replied. And, and then I love the, the shortest verse in the Bible is here. It says, Jesus wept. He cried. He understands the disappointment, the discouragement. Remember this, uh, there's, there's a great miracle about to happen and, and Jesus knows what's gonna happen, but he doesn't negate the power of that moment where there was honesty, where not just Martha, but also Mary approached Jesus and say, if you'd have been here, if you were only here, this wouldn't have happened, but you didn't come. And we sent you word in plenty of time. I prayed about it and it didn't happen. But Jesus responds to that honesty and responds to their discouragement. He responds to the hurt and he says, take me, take me to that place. Take me to the place of your hurt. Take me to the place where the dream died. Take me to that moment where you lost the courage to even talk to me. When Jesus asked to go to, this, uh, to the tomb, he says, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, by this time, there's a bad odor. For he, he's been there four days. Let, he hasn't improved with age, let's just say. And honestly, he's my brother. He's been stinky from the beginning. That's a weird mummy joke. I don't know. <laughs> he's been there four days. Then Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? I love that he says that. I think that's still a word for us today. If you believe, you're gonna see the glory of God. That doesn't mean that you're not hurt. Doesn't mean to dismiss it and say it never happened. But he says, but do you believe? Because if you believe, you can still see the glory of God. Didn't I tell you? If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. So they took away the stone and then Jesus looked up and he says this, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of those standing here. Oh, I'm not praying loud so that you can hear me. I'm praying loud so that they can hear me. He says this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus calls in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. What an amazing turn of events from disappointment and discouragement to a party. Now that... Reminds me of a Mexican funeral because they, they have a way of turning some horrible, <laughs> tragic events into a huge party. And the, and the answer is not really Jesus' presence, but alcohol. Okay, let me just say, I've been there. I get it. I see it. But with the presence of God, everything changes from one mood to the next. What a powerful moment. I wonder what could God do with your discouragement? What could he do with your hurt? What could God do with your disappointments if you made a choice to be honest with him about it? So today I wanna to give you four truth statements, four statements that I know to be true about myself. I will be honest with you and then I will ask you in that moment to be true to yourself and to say, you know what? Uh, pastor's being honest, I can be honest too. Uh, I, I probably see that in myself. I wanna give you four things that I see in the story that I bear witness with, four things that I see that kind of expose the hypocrisy of my own heart, especially when God disappoints me, when, he dis when, I'm, when I'm discouraged and when I, when I don't like what he's doing, when I don't understand it, when I don't get it. These are things that I know to be true about myself. So if we're being honest, number one, if you're a note taker, write this down, number one of four. Number one, uh, I avoid God when he doesn't do my will. I avoid God when he doesn't do what I think he should do. Notice this, it says, when, when Martha heard this, she went immediately to Jesus. When Mary heard it, she stayed home. 
Now, I identify a lot more with those that just stay home. Like, I'd rather just stay home. When God doesn't move, when he doesn't speak, when he doesn't heal, when he doesn't deliver, some people can just immediately go to the presence of God. Like, I don't understand it, but I submit and I surrender to you. And for the rest of you weirdos, I get that. But for us over here, like, this is reality. Let's be honest. I find myself isolating versus pressing in. See, those hard moments of life, they don't tend to make me trust God more. They make me withdraw. I have a tendency to pull back. We see this happening in our entire world over the past two and a half years. When things don't go according to plan, when God doesn't come through and stop things, just like we thought he should stop them, we withdraw, we pull back, we isolate. And let me just tell you, we're just now seeing the fallout of what happens when we do something that foolish, when we pull back and isolate from people. Now, it may be underneath the guise of this is keeping you safe. I get that. It may be underneath the guise of, hey, we're trying to make sure that everybody doesn't die. I get it. I get it. I get it. But the fallout of our isolation, our mental health, the anxiety, the stress, those chickens have to come home to roost at some point. You're gonna pay the price for what happens when you can't be around people that will encourage you and when you can't get back in the presence of God. We don't do better with isolation, we do worse. And I found this to be true about myself. Even knowing that, I still do it. There are two kinds of Christians, those that can take their issues right to the feet of Jesus and those that take them right back to bed. Let me just say it this way. Uh, I, I found this to be true about myself. Isolation is the dumbest solution to hard days. Somebody needs to read that. Somebody needs to, to, to tattoo that as your, life, as your life message right there. Isolation is the dumbest solution to my hard days. I do it and it's wrong. As a matter of fact, God's word tells us in Psalm 9 that the Lord our God, that he's a stronghold in the times of trouble. He's where we're supposed to run, but we don't. He's where we're supposed to go to when we're not doing well. And he says, for those who know your name and for those who put their trust in you, you're a stronghold. You're a help in the times of trouble. And I know this about God, but it's difficult for sometimes to get past what I know. And instead, I'll move by what I feel. I feel like I'd rather be alone. I feel like nobody else would understand. I feel like God isn't listening. And I isolate and I'll pull back. And let me just say, as a pastor, this is the stupidest thing that I can do, but I have a tendency to do it. Now, the worst thing I can do in those moments is try to preach a message to you about how God can comfort you in your times of trouble if you just go to him, if I'm not doing it myself. Let me say it this way. If I don't allow the Lord to comfort me, then what I give to others will be superficial, hypocritical, and shallow. Now, as I make that truth statement, can you see yourself? Because you will try to encourage somebody else when you got nothing to give them. You'll tell them, I know Jesus has the answer for you. Not for me, but for you. It's always about somebody else. Come on, let's be honest today. The whole series is called, if we're being honest, let's be honest. I tend to isolate. And when I do that, what I give you is hypocritical. It's shallow. It's superficial. It's not really gonna help you. So I have to force myself to do what, is, what I'm not naturally bent towards to get back in the presence of God. To tell him, I know that he's my stronghold. I know that his ways are higher than mine. I know that he's got it figured out and I don't have to understand, but I need to submit to him. And if I can do this, you can do this. 
Isolation is a dumb solution to some hard days. We have to be able to take our issues to the Lord so that what we give somebody else is the real thing. In 2 Corinthians chapter one, it talks about God and it describes him as the God of all comfort. Look at that with me if you would. He said, he's the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles. I wanna stop there for just a moment. Notice this, it doesn't say he fixes all your troubles. It doesn't say he's gonna answer all your questions this side of heaven. That's not what it said. But it does say he comforts us in all of them. I think the Lord understands that sometimes what you need is not an answer. It's not a miracle, but comfort as the miracle is coming. Comfort. So why does God comfort us in all of our troubles? Let me just tell you, it's not just about you. As a matter of fact, the rest of the verse goes on to say, so that we who have received this comfort may comfort someone else with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. So the best sermon I can give you is one I'm having to walk out right now where I trust in the goodness of God when I don't feel like it, when I don't understand. It's not just about me and it's not just about you. So isolation is the way that the enemy will tell you this is how you're gonna figure it out. You can make sense of it all if you just get away from everybody else. That's not true. Get into God's presence. Get around some people that have been there. Get around some people that you can be honest with and people that can be honest with you. And you're gonna find out you can comfort each other. James tells us that we are to confess our faults one to another so that we can be healed. So you can get forgiveness from God, but healing comes when you start confessing. That's something that we've lost. And the American version of Christianity is the power of confession. Honesty, we'll just call it honesty. Can we be real with the Lord? I, I, I didn't like it. I didn't understand, and I still don't understand, but I'm here, I'm trying. I wanna know you better. I want you to speak into my life. So there's some things that I have to tell myself, and I'm hoping that at some point you can, you can add this to your own spiritual repertoire. Number one, uh, I will not withdraw from God, and I will not withdraw from good people. I have to remind myself of the importance of that statement. I will not withdraw from God, no matter what happens. And I will not withdraw from people that I know they're good people. They may get on my nerves right now. I may not feel like talking right now, but I know it's good for me because they love me and they love God. Now I'm praying and hoping that you can find those good people. They're here. And you're here. There's good people here. And when you receive comfort from the Lord, your job is to give them a little comfort. And if they're receiving comfort from God, their job is to give you some of that comfort and you need that comfort. So number one is I have a tendency to withdraw from God when he doesn't do what I want. Here's the second truth statement that I'll tell you about myself. This is what I found to be true. Uh, my discouragement, my disappointment is contagious. My moments of doubt, it's contagious. It will affect my family. It will affect people around me. And I'll find myself finding other people that are just as disappointed and discouraged and we'll find each other. It will become an echo chamber of misery. When they say misery loves company, I, I don't even know if you love it. You just, you tend to find it and you attract it. Yeah. You ever notice how people that are walking through the roughest moments of their life will find somebody else that's just worse off than them and then they, they find each other? Like, we're gonna fix each other. Like, no, <laughs> you're making each other worse. Because yeah. these aren't good people full of faith. These are people full of discouragement and bitterness and doubt. And we just attract each other. And we become this echo chamber of doubt 
where we don't pick each other up, we continue to keep each other back. I found that my doubts are contagious. Notice this, that when, when, uh, when Martha approaches Jesus, he says this, hey, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And then Mary comes to Jesus, falls at his feet and says, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. It's amazing how two people are saying the exact same thing at two different times. How is that possible? Because it's what they're saying when Jesus wasn't here. And if Jesus was here, this wouldn't have happened. If Jesus was here, he wouldn't have allowed that. But guess what? He ain't here. He allowed it. And misery loves company. We start reinforcing the things that we know are not necessarily true. And things that have taken us away from faith and pushed us into doubt. My doubts are contagious. My discouragement is contagious. But then again, so is my faith. So is my faith. If I can bring you a little bit of faith and belief in the, in the power of God today, you're gonna leave with a little bit more faith than what you had when you came in. That's a good thing. It's contagious. Let me just say this, um, that we, we see this from the story that their doubts are contagious, but they still believe in the power of God. They still believe that God can do it. There's still faith alongside of discouragement. There's still faith even though there's hurt. There's still faith even though there's disappointment. And I think we've believed this lie in our own kind of twisted theology that if I'm hurting, that must mean that I'm far from God. If I'm disappointed in God, that must mean I don't believe in him anymore. And I don't believe because God didn't do this. And I've seen so many people that because God didn't do something that they thought he should do, they withdraw from their relationship with God altogether, forever. I've had multiple conversations with good people that lose somebody that didn't get the miracle of the breakthrough. They say, therefore, there must not be a God. This is not necessarily the case here. They say, look, I have faith and I've got doubts. It reminds me of the man that brings the demon-possessed son to Jesus and he says, Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief. I wanna show you that today, that hurts, I'll, I'll say it this way, hurts can exist alongside of faith, but whichever one you focus on becomes louder. Where's your focus? What are you talking about? Pay attention to what you're saying. It gets louder and louder and louder and more contagious the more you say it. So choose carefully. You're gonna stay in a place of faith. Let me tell you, you can do that and still be honest that you're hurt. Where's your focus? Now, here's, here's what I know to be true. When, uh, when you've got skill or you've got talent or you're good at something, if you work hard and apply yourself, if you get some good knowledge, you can increase that. You might go from a five at something and you apply yourself, you watch some YouTube videos, you take a couple classes, you can go to a seven, you might go to an eight. You can push yourself and get better at something. But in matters of faith, faith is a choice. And I can go from a zero to a 10 like that by changing my focus on the things of God. It's not a feeling, it's a choice. In matters of choice, I can go from a zero to a 10 by simply making myself do it. You know what else you can go from a zero to a 10 at real quick? Attitude. You know what you can go from a 10 to a zero real quick? Anger. <laughs> it's a choice. What about courage? 
can choose to be courageous. I don't have to feel courageous. I choose to do what the right thing is. Faith is a choice. It's a choice to believe in the power of God. And I love that that faith and that hurt coexist, but she chooses instead to focus on the goodness of God. And it says, Jesus weeps. She says, even now, I believe God's gonna give you whatever, whatever you ask for. In the midst of my hurt, in the midst of my disappointment, in the midst of my discouragement, I can get honest. And it says, Jesus weeps. I wanna remind you of this. Jesus wept even though he knew what was coming. Let your, let your mind be wrapped around that for just a moment. That blew my mind this week. Jesus weeps and he knows what he's about to do. He knows we're about to go nuts. He knows that people are gonna freak out. He knows that from this moment on, there is no doubt that he's the Messiah. This is one of the greatest moments of revelation in the history of the world. When the dead come back to life, people are there to see it. And Jesus still takes a moment to weep in the midst of a faith crisis with two people that are willing to be honest about their hurt. Jesus weeps, even though he knows what's coming. Let me uh, share with you uh, number three, a true statement about myself, and, uh, and this is important. Uh, some things feel final that really aren't. I wanna say it again. Some things feel final that really aren't. They're not. As a matter of fact, most of what you're walking through feels really final until Jesus says something. Until Jesus speaks. As a matter of fact, through most of my life, I've had to bring myself back to two simple words, but God, but God. And as I look back upon my sin and upon my past and my addiction and my struggles and my failures and my hurts and my disappointments, the times where I've failed and hurt and disappointed other people, it's easy for me to get lost in what I have done and forget the simple fact that if not for God, I wouldn't be able to stand here today. But God, he changed my life. He changed my future. He redeemed my past. But God, some things feel really final. They're just not. And I love that in this moment, Mary and Martha, the death of their brother, that, that feels like the end, does it not? It feels like the book is closed. But God, I wonder what in your life feels like it's at the end and there's no hope. What have you believed is over? God hasn't said it's over. What is the dream that's locked in a tomb? What is the hope? You've had to put it out of your mind because it, it hurts too much to even put the hope back in that situation. What is that thing for you that feels really final, but not to God? I found this to be true, that we put periods where God puts commas. And he does that a lot. You might need to adjust your reading glasses a little bit, like, oh, that's, that's not a period, that's a comma. I still haven't seen God do his best work yet. Something that feels final, doesn't have to be. Not if God's, if God says it, then I can hear it, then I can believe it, then I can, then I can receive it, okay. I haven't heard from God yet. So it just feels that way. But it's not necessarily over until God says it's over. I wanna finish with this, point number four. When it's all said and done, at the end of the day, number four, 
A word from Jesus, that's all I need. That's all I need. I don't need a feeling. I don't even necessarily need a miracle. I just need a word. Just need a word. Just need you to tell me what to do. And once his word tells me what to do, I'll be obedient and watch him do what only he can do. Notice Jesus says, hey, roll away the stone. That's your job. Now, he could have waved his hand. That stone could have just taken off. But he gave them something to do, to be obedient to his word. All I need is a word from Jesus. Now, my job as a pastor of this church is not to give you a word from Jesus, but to teach you how to hear his word for yourself. This is my purpose, to help you hear God. And I still get asked constantly, Pastor, can you, can you give me a word from the Lord? And I could do that, but it, it's not gonna be the same as if you hear from God for yourself. I want you to have a relationship with the Lord that you can hear his voice and that you know he hears yours. And notice this in the scripture where Jesus begins to pray out loud. and says, God, I thank you that you hear me. I know that you always hear me, but I'm saying this for their benefit, that they might believe. And that is the essence of the word of God. It is written, it is given for your benefit that you may believe. There's a word that God has for you today so that you'll believe. There's a word that God has for you today so that you can walk in all the things that God has called you to walk in. You just need a word from God. That's all that you need. I'll say it this way. My belief gets stronger when I hear from Jesus. And so I wanna teach you how to do that. The Bible says that, that Paul, is, he exhorts Timothy, the young pastor, and said, this is your job, to equip the people for the work of the Lord. My job is not to do the work of the Lord for you, but to teach you how to hear from God for yourself so that you can do what God is asking you to do. So you can roll away the stone that God is calling you to roll away. It's your job. I'm here to help you do that. Now, people will, will ask me all the time, hey, can you give me a word or can you teach me how to hear God? I'm not sure if I can hear God. Let me just tell you this. This is not something that you're born with, being able to hear God. It's not something that just all of a sudden I can just hear God 24 seven. That's probably schizophrenia. Let me just tell you. <laughs> Hearing God comes with getting very familiar with his written word. And this is where we see as the major issue in our world today. Christians don't read God's word. You don't spend time in it. You may come on Sunday and that's the, that's the, the epitome, the pinnacle of your walk with Jesus. And it's the reason why some of you are walking through struggles that never seem to end because you don't know his word. You don't know how to apply some of this to your own life. My job is to help you. I have not done a, a good enough job for us to walk through the past two and a half years that we've walked and see so many people walk away from Christ. Pastors are failing at a record rate because we've given people candy. We should be teaching them how to understand this so that they can hear the word of God for themselves. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a commitment to you today to get better at that. I want you to be able to hear God for yourself. But in order to do that, you've got to spend time in his word. If you've never spent time in God's word before, if you don't know where to start, let me just tell you, 1 John is a great place to start. Start there and hear me, read until something kind of just jumps off the page and stop. It's not about quantity of what you read, it's the quality, okay? Read until something jumps off the page and then ask yourself this question, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me? How does this scripture apply to my life? How does this scripture apply to that situation? And then just listen, start writing. God will speak. He will speak to you. Ask him, read his word and let him start speaking to you. I'll tell people this and I wanna remind you of it. I wanna put it on the screen so that you can see it. If you can't find the voice, follow the verse. 
God's, God's word that you hear will never contradict his written word. It won't. So until you know the written word, you're not gonna be sure, is this my thoughts or is this God's thoughts? Is this, is this the right thing or the wrong thing? Is this, this the voice of my mom telling me something? Is this just good advice? Is this something I heard on Oprah last week? I don't know. Follow the verse. Get back into his word and let his word get into you. The Bible tells us in Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing. Yes, I have doubts, I have disappointments, but I also got faith and my faith will get stronger if I can hear from God. Spend some time in his word. Let his word get into your life. Let it get into your heart. Let it get into your mind. Let it consume your thoughts so that you know beyond the shadow of a doubt, you've heard from God, you've read his word and it begins to, to infiltrate every part of your life. It begins to do what God's word can do that nothing else can. It begins to bring healing and faith and hope. I wanna encourage you as you're, as you're reading God's word, don't just read it, speak it. Say it. Pray his word. Pray his word. Begin to declare it out over your children. Declare it over your grandchildren. Declare it over your issues and problems. Find something that sticks out. Say, okay, God, how does this, how does this apply to my life? Then I'm gonna speak that. Faith comes by hearing. Sometimes you need to hear yourself say it. Hear yourself echo back what Jesus is saying through his word. Let me help you hear the voice of God and open the door to the miraculous. What do I do with my disappointments? I take them back to God's word and allow God's word to get into me. Bring me back into his presence. And watch things happen that I couldn't do on my own. You still with me today? Yes. Would you bow your head and close your eyes as we finish up today? I want to just leave you with that. Go ahead and put away your notes. Would you put down your phones for just a second and let me just have, let me just have two minutes of uninterrupted time that might be the most important moment of your week. If I've done my job correctly today, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. I believe he wants to interrupt time and space I believe he wants to minister to your needs right where you are, but you need to get honest with him about where you're at. This entire service, this entire day has built up to this moment where God is asking you, can you be honest with me about your disappointments and your hurts? Can you get honest with me about why you're angry? Get honest with me about what you thought I should do. If you can do that, you're in a fantastic place for the miraculous move of God. It's a good place. Let's be honest. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to invite you to pray a prayer. It's very simple. The prayer is this. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Pray it. I dare you. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Father, we come here today broken and hurt, we come with our disappointments. We come discouraged sometimes. We come in pain. We come in regret. But Lord, we're here. And we're going to be honest about what we're walking through. Knowing that you can do more with honesty than we can with some feeling. So we come today in your presence, bringing who we are, and ask that you would speak. That's all we need is a word from you. Show us what to do, where to go, how to do it, what to say, when to say it, when to be quiet, when to be still. We move at the speed of your voice. You lead us and we'll go. Father, I pray that you'd bless every single one of my friends that are asking for you to help them right now. I pray that you would come through in a supernatural way. Meet them, Father, I pray, at the point of their need. Speak, O oh Lord. 
And we'll be obedient to whatever it is that you say. In Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, perhaps you're watching today or listening, and you can say, Pastor, I, I honestly don't have a relationship with God. I've been so far away from God, I need to come home. My friend, this is your moment. This is your day. God led you here for this reason. And I want to invite you, if that's you, I want to invite you to take a step. And I want to help you like somebody helped me one time by leading you in a prayer. If you're away from God and need to come home, pray this prayer with me. The prayer goes like this. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. Come on, pray with me. I believe you came, you died, but you rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my mistakes. Will you forgive me of my sin? Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I give myself to you right now. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, my friend, if that was you and you say, Pastor, I, I prayed with you. Let me just see your hand all over this place. Give me a quick wave if you would. That was me, Pastor. I prayed with you. Good, I see you. Good, I see you. Anyone else? I prayed with you, Pastor. That was me. If you're watching online, would you just simply type that into the chat and say, that was me, I prayed. I'd love to hear from you. As a matter of fact, I'd, I wanna challenge you to take the next step. If you would text us, text the words, I prayed to 844-HRC-TEXT. If you'll do that, we have a series of videos that we wanna send you some links that will help you understand what happened in your heart and what to do next. We would love to be a part of your faith journey and watch what God is doing in your life. Thank you for trusting us with that. Well, Highbridge family, go ahead and look up at me if you would, then stand to your feet. I'm gonna have our elders and their wives come forward as we finish up our service today. These guys are gonna be available to pray for you about anything that you might need prayer for. We believe that God still does miraculous things and we would love to pray on your behalf and watch God do those things for you. I wanna remind you about Easter. Easter is coming. Please pray for us and please be mindful of the service that you're coming to. We do need a lot of people to serve and let me just remind you, hey, Easter's that Sunday where you're gonna see a lot of people that you don't know. And the chances are they're coming back to God after a long break. And in that moment, I want them to see your smile. I want you to show them that there's something different and special here. Show them that this is a place that's not gonna hurt you, but a place that you can find some help. And I'll make that deal with you like I make every single year. If you will bring your friends to church on Easter Sunday, I will do my best to not embarrass you. And I promise you this, I will give them an opportunity to meet Jesus. And when you see your children, your friends, your family, your coworkers, people that you invited, people that you've been praying for, people that you stepped out on faith and invited them to come, when you see them accept Christ into their heart, there is no more precious moment in life than to watch somebody's eyes get open, to watch them turn themselves over to Christ. It's a powerful exchange. And I'm honored to be a part of that in many of your lives. Uh, somebody prayed for you and you're here. I wonder who are you praying for? Who are you bringing? I wanna challenge you to do it. Statistics say 70% of people will come if you just invite them to church on Easter Sunday. It's a big opportunity for you to be the church. And let me just tell you, our world needs it. Our world needs it. People are hurting. They need Jesus. And they're gonna find him here. It's a powerful thing. So let me bless you as we go. Father, I thank you in advance for the miraculous things that are coming, the things that will happen as my friends that are watching, my friends that are here today, as they put their trust in you, would you bless each and every one of them in Jesus' name and everyone said together, amen. God bless you as you go. I hope you have an awesome week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. 
If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.